This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on iOS developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average iOS developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the iFreaks link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash iFreaks. Hi, everybody, and welcome to iFreaks episode number 140. This week on our panel, we have James Zuber. Hello from Minneapolis. And I'm Andrew Madsen from Salt Lake City. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking to Sean Stevens and Kyle Jessup from The Perfect Project. Sean, do you want to give us a little bit of an intro about what Perfect is? Absolutely. Perfect is a web framework, a full backend and server for developing applications with. So effectively, it is server-side Swift. And not really as as competitor, but you could say that our competitor would be Node or PHP or any one of the other frameworks or languages out there that people use for backend work. Great. So I've I've been interested in and working in Swift since it was released uh, a year and a half ago. And when Apple announced that it was going to be open sourced at WWDC last summer, I think one of the first thoughts that a lot of people had was, well, open source means it'll run on Linux. And that means maybe we can write backends in it. At least I, I thought of that. And I remember talking to some other people. So is this something you kind of started working on as soon as that possibility became a clear one? Or give us a little bit of the history of, of what you were thinking in starting this. Well, really, so Kyle and I came from a, a different backend, which is the Lasso backend. And we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit about that today. And uh, really what we did when we heard Apple open sourced is we went out drinking um, because we realized there'd be another competitor for backend for what we were doing at the time with our project uh, in, in the Lasso world. And uh, we came up with the same realization that you did, which is Swift being such a beautiful language would likely start to compete as a backend language. And we went out to start drinking. Seemed like the logical thing to do. <laughs> I think that's what you have to do when you're about to start on a project as big as this is, right? <laughs> exactly. I was actually sitting at a bar uh, where Kyle and I were talking and he said, I've got a great idea. Why don't we take all of the intelligence of what we've done with the Lasso project and bring that over into the Swift world um, and use all of the many years of the history of Lasso in this new project. And uh, that now you'd be able to use Swift both on the front and the back for mobile development. And he and I sort of stared at one another for a bit and realized that was the logical thing to do. So I must admit to never having heard of Lasso, or if I have, I I don't know anything about it and don't remember. But I quickly pulled up the Wikipedia article about it. And um, tell us a little bit about Lasso. It seems like, uh, you know, Kyle's name is right there on the page as being the designer of it. How did that start? Just briefly, what, what is Lasso all about? Well, so there's, there's a long history to Lasso. So let me just go quickly into that. Lasso was actually started in the mid-90s, as you can see from that article. And what it was was a web design company went, hey, we, we should be able to use FileMaker, which was Apple's product for like access-type product, for those you who don't know. We should be able to connect that with the web. Uh, and they started working with different scripts and different things, and Apple script, an AppleScript version came out. Uh, and when, once they realized how uh, effective that was, they went, hey, let's go build a product. And so they brought in a 
uh, a young designer, a young uh, engineer whose name was Kyle Jessup, oddly enough. He's sitting right here beside me. And uh, they went and built a first product, which was Lasso. And now what's interesting is, is then Apple saw how incredible this was. At the time, Apple sort of was two companies. There was Apple Computers, which was hardware, and there was Claris, which was the software front end, which include FileMaker, Claris Homepage, and other things. And they actually licensed Lasso into their product as CDML, Claris Dynamic Markup Language. And so, in fact, Apple's first web language, their first backend, was in fact CDML, which was Lasso. Now, when Jobs in 1997 went back to Apple, he cut off, I think there was 80, pro 80 products, something to that effect. One of them was Lasso, and he went through and cut off everything that wasn't part of the original vision of his. And Lasso ended up back going its own direction with the company at the time, which was Blue World. Now, this is a, a one-hour show, I think, so we probably couldn't go through the entire sordid history of Lasso, but it is still uh, a sort of popular amongst Mac users and, and amongst education and defense and other things. There's very specific niches where it's used a lot, but as a back-end language and has continued to grow and thrive in its own niche as a competitor to back-end or server-side languages like Node, like PHP. And now Lasso version 9.3 is out. It's got all sorts of amazing nifty things. But as a language, A, it has a, had and still has a lot of backwards compatibility things built into it, which makes, I mean, it's a huge language and it is truly remarkable. But it's also an, an embedded language and other things which has limited its ability to grow. One of the key things that's been limited about it is it's closed source and open sourcing it completely at this point would be very dangerous because... U.S. Defense Department uses it and CSIS uses it and battleships use it. So instead, we realized this an opportunity, which was when Apple did this whole open sourcing process or talked about doing it with Swift, that we could take all of the genius behind or underneath Lasso and move it over into Swift. And this actually started as a conversation because when Swift first came out, Kyle and I were sitting at a table and I said, what do you think of Swift? And Kyle looked at me and said, it's the perfect language. It's exactly what I would go and design for Lasso 10. Um, it's obviously not, it, it doesn't have the same maturity as some of the older languages like Lasso, but it certainly was going the right direction. It had no baggage and no problems. So it was literally out of nowhere, exactly what a language should be from scratch. Okay. So Lasso itself is a language. Is it also the framework? Am I talking about that right? Yes, that is correct. You can build websites with it, run backends with it, etc. It's fully featured language. Okay. So what parts are coming to Swift in Perfect? And how would that compare to existing web frameworks, like a, a Node.js, Rails, something like that? Do they have similarities? I mean, yes. I mean, obviously, Perfect is a very new idea. and We're just at the beginning of what needs to happen in, in order to make it a fully featured web toolkit. I would say... The, the core thing is people go building or, or, or as they're building apps, the front end of an app uh, needs to connect in many cases with a back end in order to share data and access that data. And usually that involves connecting with data sources, connecting with outsourced things and pulling all that information together. And that's typically what one would use Node to do. Of course, if you're using Node and you've got the same field types or sets, et cetera, on one side and on the front end, you've got other pieces, you want them you're, you're going to end up built or doing the code twice. So instead, the idea is 
you can now use the front or build the front and the back end in the same language um, so that you can use less code to do the same amount of work. Does that answer the question? Somewhat. Now, certain like web frameworks are very low level where you have, end up implementing a lot of things yourself versus like a Rails, which does a lot of things for you. You know, it fills up, builds up your models, your views. I'm just wondering, you know, do you see perfect being something that has a lot of magic that builds stuff for you so you can go fast if you do it, you know, the, the perfect way or something that you're more inclined to do things in smaller things where you have more control? Right now, it's less, you get less than you would get from, say, a Rails. And you're talking about um, Active Record and things like that. Uh, we do have plans to build in some components that would um, kind of do all this magical back-end scaffolding for you. Uh, currently, right now, it's more of a do-it-yourself. Uh, we have all of the basic functionality that you need for doing web requests. Uh, we have uh, built-in you know, web sockets. And, of course, we have objects for handling the request and the response via HTTP. But as far as um, assembling the content, that's more of a manual effort at this point. But we did build in connectors for um, several databases. We have support for MongoDB, Postgres, and MySQL. And we have uh, plan support for uh, ODBC and Oracle at this point also. I think a question always is, and, and we hit this with Lasso, uh, where the Lasso project just kept on in including more and more and more pieces until it became absolutely huge and almost unmanageable. And where a lot of those pieces should have been either separate projects or separate pieces. So I guess the question with framework is, at what point does it actually limit you by growing too large? And I think we're going to learn that as we go. Also realizing that we consider this a mobile first backend, as opposed to many of the other, say, Rails, which is really a, a, a web development backend. I get shot for saying that, but... This is really the intent here is to make sure that your apps have a back end that makes sense. And, and the logical evolution of it, which is, I mean, I'm not going to say necessarily inevitable, but I'd like to think is inevitable, is that eventually Swift, that once a compiler comes out for Android, a compiler for BlackBerry and a compiler for Windows, et cetera, as it, as it gradually progresses and takes over, there will be, in fact, one language that you can do everything with, which would be Swift, which would be beautiful. I want to go back to something you just you were just talking about uh, about the the project getting too big, and I think one thing that makes Node and other web frameworks uh, really attractive. My limited experience with web development is with Node, so that's why I'm using that. But Node itself is really actually not that big; it doesn't doesn't really cover all that much. I mean, it's sort of the web server and you know being able to do receive requests and send responses and but npm is a huge part of node right because there are all these packages out there that other people have written they tend to be well as far as i know they're basically all open source and i think it's gotten to the point where you don't really you can't nobody writes a node app without using uh other packages and and usually quite a number of them i'm sort of thinking you probably see a, a similar uh sort of situation in the future for perfect absolutely something like gems uh, where you can take logical components as you need them. We don't want there to be one monolithic thing that you download every time and put on every server because that just creates additional attack surfaces and additional liabilities for anyone who's managing a production server. So the, the, the more simplistic we can keep it so that we can keep it simple to bring in the pieces that you need makes sense. So I think you guys got a 
big boost when Apple actually open source Swift uh, last month. And something that at least I had no idea was coming was the Swift package manager. And it seems to really be, a you know, maybe even more so than for writing an app in Swift, this Swift package manager should be really nice for working with Swift on Linux and doing backends and that kind of thing. And so I imagine you were happy to see that. Unbelievably so. I mean, we spent six months of our lives working away on a project that we had no idea, even though Apple had, in fact, put up their hand and said, we will open source. A, they didn't say when, uh, and B, we weren't sure how. But when they did, we actually had our, our plan was to put a Linux version of Perfect out. We thought it would take seven to eight months. So our project plan was fairly long and aggressive, and yet... Thanks to Apple putting things out that we weren't expecting, uh, we were able to get it out in a matter of weeks. So uh, beyond happy, we were uh, ecstatic. And I mean, the project, so everything that we've done, I mean, this is a testament to both the beauty of Swift and uh, genius of Kyle, perhaps, uh, but also we, we, everything that we've gone to attack, for example, WebSockets, we've thought this would take months or to, to make sure it's implemented correctly. But uh, in fact, we've done it in a matter of weeks. We're so far ahead of schedule that we've thrown out everything that we've predicted so far. I think the community as a whole was really excited by the way Apple did the open source release because some of us, um, maybe the, the pessimists among us, thought that they would just sort of do a source code dump like they've done with Objective-C in the past. And no, they really went all in. So that certainly was a good thing for you, you know, working on Perfect, but just the community as a whole, it makes the whole thing much more viable for these uses outside of iOS development. I want to get into some of the technical details with Kyle, but one, one other thing I wanted to ask you, Sean, is about the response you've received from the iOS development community. And I, and I to go along with that, I wonder if you've heard much from people who are sort of outside iOS development. It's It's an obvious thing for iOS developers that are already working in Swift and whatever, but what about people who are, you know, coming from other platforms and other technologies and are maybe interested in Swift as a language on its own merits? What have you heard from people? I mean, obviously, as you've probably seen from all the soft we've, uh, metrics and quotations, we've, we've had thousands of people, literally. Uh, I mean, I think we're going to cross 5,000 GitHub stars today and 15,000 Twitter followers. This is a matter of five weeks. I mean, it's it's astonishing uh, as to who of those are web developers versus iOS developers versus, I, I mean, I'm not really sure which are which. What I would say is we've we've had great trouble keeping up. We've had dozens of people write us and say, how can we move forward? What can we do to help? Uh, we've had hundreds of people write in and say, you know, what else can we do to, to, to move you forward? We've had thousands of dollars in donations. Uh, that's just astonishing to me. We've had Fortune 500s call us and say, "Hey, we'd like uh, you know, we'd like to do some proof of concepts with you. Are you willing to fly to Germany and fly to wherever to come work with us?" I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, we, we've had difficulty responding to emails, to be honest. Well, it certainly has gone all over. I mean, I've I think I heard about it, about it when you first announced, but it's been sort of consistently at the top of you know people's discussion and, and stuff like that. Kyle, do you mind? Do you mind answering some technical questions? I don't mind at all. I just sort of want an overview of what Perfect currently consists of. So you, you mentioned that it can do web requests and responses. I assume that it also encompasses a basic web server. And yeah, so anyway, what sort of what does it cover so far? Uh, right now, it consists of what we call Perfect Lib, which is a framework 
which contains basically the core functionality. It consists of two different server variants. We do have a standalone HTTP server, and we also include a fast CGI server and a uh, module for Apache. So you can run it either standalone or with Apache. In the standalone server, we also support uh, SSL. The whole package is designed to be highly concurrent, so it has uh, threading built into the core. And to achieve that, we use libevent, which is a piece of software which uh, Lasso itself also uses. So I've had a good deal of experience with that. Is libevent an open source library? It is, yes. And basically, it just lets you set up events for your I.O. occurrences. So, um, um, you know, as soon as you try to read data, nothing's available. You can swap in another thread until that data is, comes in. So we built uh, the core of both servers, the, the HTTP server and the fast CGI server. Uh, both, both use this technology. One of my next questions was going to be, uh, before Swift was actually open sourced at the beginning of December, I think most people, myself included, assumed that the release would be fairly limited. And in, in particular, a lot, I think a lot of people thought that the Swift standard library would be part of that release, but that foundation, which of course is essentially the standard library for Objective-C and has a lot more in it than the Swift standard library, I think most people thought foundation would not be included. And I saw people writing projects that they called they called Linux ready even before Swift was on Linux. They would say this project is Linux ready. And what they meant by that is it only uses the Swift standard library. It does not use foundation. Of course, the open source release actually does include foundation, although it's not done yet, but it will be. And another thing it also includes is uh, lib dispatch, grand central dispatch. I'm curious to know if the fact that those are actually part of the open source release may change some of your plans for implementation or some of the some of the technical details of the way you're you're writing perfect. Yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise, a pleasant surprise to see that they had intended to basically rewrite Core Foundation all in Swift and release it. Um, but as you mentioned, it's not complete yet. And um, I didn't believe they were going to do that. I didn't expect it. And so, of course, I did what everybody else did, which is just try and um, stick to the basic Swift library there and even do my own imports of things such as ICU for Unicode handling, curl for you know local networking, grabbing stuff. And the goal is, as the core foundation gets more fleshed out, that we would uh, not include these components. Um, I know that they Swift itself uses ICU in the core. And um, what's more of the niceties that we get from ICU, which is just you know basically Unicode handling, in a very robust manner. Once those become more fleshed out in the core foundation, we will definitely uh, remove those dependencies because I like to keep things lean, you know, and not have a lot of things that you need to include to be able to use this project. Cool. That makes sense. But I guess it's actually, uh, you know, in some ways a good thing that you did not count on those because like we mentioned, they're not really done yet and you would have ended up delaying the release of perfect. Yeah, that's right. And who knows what? And even with Lib Dispatch, I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Lib GCD and Lib Dispatch. And I had originally written all of Swift using that with the hopes that it would be available. Or if it wasn't available through them, maybe I could get it compiling myself. And the re- reality was it wasn't ready to go on Linux. So I had to back out and re-implement a lot of that stuff using pthreads. So currently Perfect doesn't. You, you can, of course, use uh, GCD if you're just writing something on OS 10, 
And of course, you can use it on your, your mobile app. But um, on the server side, particularly on Linux, it uses all pthreads, threading and locking and that kind of stuff. If I wanted to start hacking on perfect, what do I need to do? You said you have a standalone server. Can I just run that from the command line and it goes? You, you can run that from the command line. If you're developing on OS 10, of course, you're using Xcode. We also have a standalone app with just a little window that lets you start and stop the server. The beauty of this project, if you're doing a mobile development, is that you're doing it all in Xcode and you can debug both the client and the server at the same time. And ideally, just take that code and compile it on Linux and be ready to go. So uh, the best way to start is just to download the repository that we have there on GitHub. And we have a slew of examples, which uh, start from the very, very basics, um, show uh, several of the different features, such as URL routing, uh, mustache template uh, processing, and things like that. And just uh, run those examples in Xcode like you would any other sort of Swift project and just uh, poke at it a bit. Okay, that makes sense. Now, if I want to do, like, host something, am I pretty much just handcrafting Apache myself, installing it, and you said you had a, a module for it? Or is there is anything pre-built where you can throw up hosting quickly? We don't include uh, pre-built binaries, uh, but we do have um, make files for Linux. So particularly the Apache module make file is pretty robust and will uh, download any sort of packages that you need on Ubuntu there. And um, we do have some configuration snippets there in the readmes on GitHub as well, which help you um, point you in the right direction if you're going to use Apache. You know, if, if you have any experience with Apache configuration, you know that they're all unique snowflakes and everybody has their own different ways to do stuff. So we tried to keep it unobtrusive and as simple as possible. I would say there's a number of uh, different places you can get support or help. So if you go on to Gitter, uh, for example, from the uh, GitHub page, or if you write in a, a problem, that we can usually help people very quickly get up and running. So if people get stuck, there's lots of support already, which is astonishing um, from, the, from the community that's evolving. And also what's interesting is we do have plans or are working on the ability to quickly spin up, for example, uh, an AWS cloud uh, virtual server so that someone who's not used to doing back-end work or used to doing it in some other way could quickly get their project up and running. And our goal is to, is to try and eventually make it so incredibly easy that, uh, that there would be no reason to use anything but perfect, if, especially if you're an app developer and haven't done a lot of back-end work. I'm glad to hear that as, as somebody who is an app developer and has not done a lot of backend work, but has done a little bit, you know, it's a lot to figure out just to get an app up and running. And there are things like Heroku that make that a lot easier, but I, I'm glad to hear that you're working on support for that sort of thing. Absolutely. I think that that's, that's probably the, the biggest thing that we'll be working on this year is uh, developing some relationships with some cloud providers and making it incredibly simple to get up for us. For app developers who are trying to get, especially an MVP, up and running. And of course, if somebody then wants to put a, a full production set of servers together, et cetera, you could still download Perfect and use it in a production capacity uh, because it does have, because it has the history of Lasso and has been built with that in mind, it does have the scalability to be able to grow as big as an organization could need it to grow. So it's an interesting history with 
the lasso history with a closed source proprietary company and now we now we've got perfect now if you're talking about github that means at least parts of it are open source is it all open source how is it licensed how do you all put money in your bank account how does that work <laughs> uh, we're gonna give it away for free and make it up on volume i think is the is the solution just kidding right now everything is open sourced on github everything is open for anyone to see and use Remembering that the difference between Lasso and Perfect is that Lasso is a language comparable to Swift. And in this case, Swift is the open source language and Perfect is the framework and backend for it. In terms of how it's licensed, it's currently under the AGPL, which is, there's a number of questions about why we chose the AG, AGPL. Um, and in fact, we're going to be releasing a, lo a lot around that. Um, really, we did that because it makes a lot of sense where we're sitting that Anyone should be able to use this for free, but if you're going to improve it and then go sell it, we'd like to get those improvements back so that the whole community benefits. Um, and in fact, we went through a lot of time and a lot of uh, work with the Mozilla people as, as well as others, which shall remain unnamed for now, but working with a number of people in the open source world to get a better sense of exactly which license we should use and how, to, how we're going to apply it. But our, our goal is that we want this to be the, we love Swift and we want Perfect to be the go-to back end. And the only way that's ever going to happen is if it is open source. I guess your question about how, it, how is it that we make money? We are as well going to bring out enterprise licenses eventually, right? A number of people have approached us and said, hey, we, we, we really like an enterprise license because we want to do our own thing. We want to incorporate it and we don't want any questions. And at the moment, we're sort of saying, well, we're, we'll give you a, a free enterprise license as long as you want for the current version, because our goal is to continue to improve it uh, until it is the best product around, the best backend option. And then we hope to, there, we, we haven't exactly determined how revenue is going to come in, but we have some great ideas. The obvious idea is, A, we were talking about spinning up AWS servers. We'd like to become a partner with a cloud provider. And then we'll clip a ticket on the way through for that, which wouldn't affect the price or to a developer. It's the same price either way, but still allows us to put money back in to make sure that our team can grow and continue pushing this product. And as well, offering other configuration tools and uh, simplicity tools to make it easy to get things up and running and uh, monitoring, server monitoring. What's interesting is we have all of these products already in the Lasso uh, product, and we'll be bringing a lot of those over into the perfect world over the next few years. Very cool. Yeah, that's a pretty solid approach. You know, have, you have the free available people that anyone can use. If you want more support, you pay for it. And a lot of big companies are a little worried about using open source software without enterprise support. So they, exactly. they, won't, even, they won't even use it, but unless it's stamped somehow, someone stands behind it. So that makes sense. I, I shouldn't say this. In fact, We've stolen this model from a couple of other organizations, one of the key ones being MongoDB, um, and, and really not just applying, but, but watching how it is that they've approached the world. And uh, we think that their, their approach is excellent uh, and makes a lot of sense. So we're following up with them. Sort of along those lines, I'm, I'm interested to know, I think you are some of the, the first people to really seriously be working on um, a, a project, a Swift project that runs on Linux as a very important part of its um, you know, of its use. And so 
having done a little bit with Swift on Linux, I know that there's still a lot to be done in terms of Swift, Swift open source. And I wonder if you guys are, are or plan to contribute back to the, to the Swift open source project. Uh, there's some spelling mistakes that we found. <laughs> yeah, you and about a thousand other people. <laughs> yeah, we'd really like to. Um, you know, we talked about Lasso a lot. And one another similarity between Lasso and Swift is that Lasso is built on LLVM. And um, we've got that working on OS X, of course, variety variety of Linux and Windows also. And I know that there's um, currently no support for Windows with Swift. And that's something we were just sort of chatting freely about, Sean and I, the other day is, you know, is that something we might want to take on and or help contribute? So um, I do have a lot of experience with LLVM, and I'm, I am looking forward to finding something that I can kind of give back to at more of a low level, I'd say, you know, lower level than spelling mistakes. Well, that's good to hear. I've actually been sort of surprised at how little I've heard about Swift on Windows. The company I work for, I do Mac development mostly, but the company I work for does Windows development as well. And in fact, all of our backend services are written in C Sharp and .NET and we run on Microsoft Azure and all that, and uh, it would. I th- although I think Azure has support for Linux servers, but I, I don't know. Seems like a seems like it would be a pretty valuable thing to have uh, Perfect and Swift in general working on Windows. Yeah, you find um, a lot of people that are deploying on Windows have to deploy on Windows. It's kind of mandated by the company. You find a lot of companies they make their database choice because they don't have a choice. You know, they have to use Oracle or something like that, SQL Server, and um, you know, there's a big opportunity there to have this product available for the people that, you know, really have to use Windows for one reason or another. So I have a question for kind of the use case for using Swift as backend language. You mentioned, you know, the one thing, like it makes sense to have the backend and, and client-side code doing the same things, but as a purely language uh, perspective, you know, how does Swift fit into kind of the backend ecosystem? Do you have any comments on that? Uh, one thing that I really enjoy from Swift is its strong static type checking. And while there are certainly nice things about using dynamic languages for prototyping, in my experience, as your systems get bigger and bigger, they become more unwieldy. And uh, the nice thing about Swift being statically type checked is that if you um, you know, change the name of a function, you know it immediately throughout your entire code base because it won't compile anymore. And uh, again, you, if you're doing quick prototyping and things like that, the static type checking can be a little annoying um, at times, but with a bigger system, it really becomes kind of a lifesaver, I believe. So I, that's one of the things that I really like about using Swift on the server side is that I think it really enables you to build bigger, more sophisticated systems. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the compiler is a bunch of unit tests that run every time. Even if you don't like unit tests, the compiler does a lot of things for you. But being with other server languages, there's a lot of server languages that have strong typing. Why is Swift better than a C Sharp or, or a Java or, say, a Go? Because it doesn't suck? Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> I don't have any experience with Go. I've done a, you know, a bit of Java in the past and a little bit of C Sharp, but not any sort of production quality. So, I mean, I, I like C Sharp. There's a lot of things to like about it. Um, I particularly like uh, Link the way they've built in kind of a the structured query language into the language. I think that's really nice. And it's something that I borrowed and put into Lasso as well. Um, that said, I think, you know, there's a lot of similarities when you, you get the static type checking like we've talked about. But Swift has kind of a, a clean sort of lean feeling to it. 
while still giving you a lot of flexibility and the power that you expect from these sorts of languages. You know, a lot of it is probably that it's brand new and still really shiny. And uh, hopefully they can keep that luster, or hopefully we can keep that luster, all of us, um, as we progress the language into the future. And I know there's going to be some uh, some changes as the language moves toward 3.0, but my hope is that it can stay clean and um, kind of fresh feeling. I think there's a natural elegance as well to Swift, where and, and anyone looking at Swift can get a sense of how it fits together. If you put a page of Java beside a page of Swift, the page of Java looks like garbly gook, and and just it doesn't feel natural. You can't tell organically what's going on versus Swift, which you look at. It's almost like a maturity of language where someone's thought through exactly what the perfect language would look like if someone really were to develop a language without any backwards pressure from anyone else to do it in a certain way. Um, and I think that that's the, not, not necessarily the first language, but, but a language that has really been able to capture that is Swift. Java, for example, was originally built for, I think it was a, a, a television you know, and obviously it's matured significantly, but Swift was built for mobile-first development, for app development, and for all of the other things that are now that languages are typically used for in in this space, like a web development and other things. Swift is perfect, which is why we picked the name, by the way. <laughs> that was going to be my last question. How did you pick the name? <laughs> uh, you know, so I think Swift is. Uh, I'm. I'm really excited about and happy about Swift. And I, th I heard somebody say once that uh, Swift reads like pseudocode. And I don't think it's alone in that. I think there are other languages that do. But there is certainly a certain elegance to to reading Swift. And um, it's kind of a pretty language for the most part. I sort of wanted to know, maybe it's too early. Maybe it's too early and you don't really know yet. But one of the things that sets Swift apart from some of the languages that it looks like superficially is that Swift is not an interpreted language like Python or or Ruby or JavaScript, it's a compiled language like C or C++. And Apple, from the very beginning, has made some pretty aggressive performance claims for it. I wonder if you've, maybe it's hard to compare because it's apples and oranges, but is per, the performance characteristics of Swift something that's important to you when working on Perfect? Oh, definitely. You know, for the server side, a lot of what the server does is um, I.O. bound, and you're just waiting for data to come in or go out. But, you know, as a request comes in, you simply want to process it as quickly as you possibly can. And um, the whole goal here is that you can support, you know, thousands of clients at once. And performance is very important. And I think that's why, you know, particularly not to pick on Ruby, but I think it got sort of a, a bad name a little while back um, due to its performance. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily ideal for the server side. Um, you know, it was very flexible. You can get stuff done quickly. I'm not going to argue that. But I think for server-side languages, you, you really want something that's going to use the hardware as hard as it possibly can and just get those requests completed and move on to the next one as fast as possible. So, you know, a, a lot of why Swift is so performant is because it is statically compiled, obviously. Um, the more dynamic a language is, it's just inherently slower, and that's... That's almost just a fact. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, again, this goes back to static type checking and being fully compiled. And I think that's great for the server side, although it does make things a little bit less flexible, uh, particularly when you're doing prototyping. 
Are there any benchmarks between different frameworks? You know, obviously a Ruby or Python is not going to be that fast because it's interpreted. Um, Swift has the potential of being very fast because it's close to the wire, but things like Java, which are traditionally compiled, but they've been hacking on you know, Java servers for, for decades, and Java can go very fast. Um, are we any, how soon can we start comparing things and see if, uh, if the promises of Swift are, are paying off yet? Because it definitely, definitely has, does have the potential, potential to be uh, pretty fast. Yeah, the only benchmarks we have up, and you'll find those on the wiki section of our GitHub um, repo, but the only benchmarks that we have right now are comparing in raw server speed against Apache, and um, we, we compare against Apache and our built-in HTTP server, and then Apache with a fast CGI server, uh, just to give some performance metrics and do a little bit of benchmarking. Um, when, when you go to compare the frameworks, it is hard to make things, you know, apples to apples because, you know, they are different. They do things differently. And that's something that we would like to do, but we have not done yet. Or if the, a third party, I mean, realistically, we probably shouldn't be the ones testing ourselves. If there were some other third party, say, listening to this program who uh, would do some testing for us, we'd love to see the results. We anticipate that we are going to be radically faster or at least comparable to anything that exists today just because of the history of lasso being incredibly fast mixed with the speed of swift uh, and on all of the logic behind that and i also believe that the longer term vision of perfect and swift together because of the obviously user interface experience and the seo benefits of getting things out quicker uh, there's a lot of higher level elevated benefits to using a language to build your applications with which aren't just about prototyping, they're also about getting the stuff out to the user quickly. And I think when that stuff starts to pay off, uh, that's when the, the real obvious value of Swift and Perfect will start to be seen, which is people can build a website that we can get out faster or build data and get data out and use less hardware and less cost in the long term. So that speed is going to be something that we're constantly going to be focused on. Yeah, definitely. As you get things like the Internet of Things and things like that, where you have just tons of devices that might be hitting a web server, having something actually run on, you know, that's compiled, actually can speed up your request and also you know, keep your CPU usage down. So it makes sense to get things down to a, as low level as you can for a lot of applications. I think that'll become more and more important as we move forward. Absolutely. I think one of my last questions is, I wonder if you've seen anyone that's already using Perfect for something that they've already written a back in service that is using perfect and whether it's in production or just for sort of, you know, hobby or learning project, curious to know what's already out there. Uh, we've seen some people pipe up on uh, Twitter and such and on the, the Gitter, uh, the chat channel as well, that they have, have been working on it. I don't think there's anything in production yet. I know that we have been using perfect for, uh, I think, three client projects now. Uh, mobile apps, which have required backend servers. These are all still in development. None have been released yet, but they're on the way. And um, it, it's great because we're we're eating our own dog food. I mean, we do we do mobile apps for clients here and uh, all kinds of other services. And uh, Perfect is where we're moving all of our work. So um, as Perfect is developing, a lot of that is coming from the necessity we see as we develop these client projects. For example, one of the one project we just recently did is um, a signaling server for WebRTC, which is a chat system 
which uses both our um, Arrest API and the WebSockets in concert. And uh, that one in particular was uh, really great for shaking out some bugs and adding some new features and just pushing the project forward. So as we do this, we're rolling back all of our changes and all of the things we see that we need to have in Perfect uh, back out there into the project and to the community. I also note this, this again makes the point that th- this, this isn't a project that's going to die because there already are production apps in play or, or being built using it. Uh, and we're, we're betting our lives on this. Uh, so we're not intending for it to be one of those dead GitHub projects. We're going to make sure this continues to grow and improve, uh, take as much feedback from the community as we can get to make it the best product out there and go head to head with the likes of Java, Node, PHP, Python, and anyone else that does backend or server side work all under the auspice of Swift. I'm excited about this personally. I just in the last, I don't know, six months to a year, I've been dabbling with and wanting to get into backend work. But realistically, I don't, I would much rather use the same language that I'm using to to do app development. And, and for the last while, that has been Swift. And uh, so this is a really exciting project for me because it, you know, should make backend development a lot easier and with less of a learning curve. And plus, it's a lot of fun to write Swift. Indeed. Is there anything else about Perfect that you th- that you think we didn't talk about that we should mention? Not particularly. Uh, I think we've we've covered a lot of the the sort of where we came from, which is it's not really it's it's a new project, but it comes from a a huge history. In, in a way, it was Apple's first language, and we're, we're back to it being Apple's language again. Or uh, we've sort of connected the dots in a meaningful way. We are, of the course, of this year we're actually going to be hiring more people to continue to grow the Perfect project and work with it. Um, so this is going to be a project that continues to have legs and grow and move and continue to take feedback from any corner of the world that makes suggestions on how we can improve it. And we really are genuinely interested in anybody who's interested in, in being part of the, of the sort of groundswell or at the very, very beginning. Uh, one thing we are looking for right now is for people who want to, obviously, from, from a linear perspective, there's really only two of us right now. Uh, and we want that to turn into... Th- uh, many more who are interested in getting the word out there. So going to conferences and asking questions about what else what else are we missing? So is anybody out there that would like to be an evangelist for Perfect to help us move the whole project forward? We'd love to hear from you. Great. I'm going to try to get it set up and, and get a little project running and uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe get a presentation ready for, for Cocoa Heads or we actually have a devchat.tv or Chuck does some remote conferences and we have an iOS one coming up in April. So maybe I'll see if I can do a talk about it. Awesome. We'll look after you. So if there's not anything else, I guess we'll get to picks. James, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, I've got, I've got one pick. I've got a, a travel pick. I'm heading down to Charleston, South Carolina, which normally wouldn't be on my top list of destinations, but I have family there. My sister and her family all live down there. And you're probably not thinking Charleston is like a first-rate food town, but it, it is a excellent food town. Um, they got all the barbecue from South Carolina, which is one of the better places, uh, one of the pillars of barbecue in the U.S. But also Charleston itself has some great food, a lot of seafood, uh, shrimp and grits. So... You know, if you're in the area, you probably know about it. But if you're not, it's a cool place to visit. And it has tons of old buildings, which is just weird in the U.S. You know, stuff from the 1700s, which, you know, doesn't really happen that much here. Those are all gone. But that's my one pick. So it's a cool place that I'm visiting. I saw uh, Anthony Bourdain's show was in Charleston on Sunday, and I watched it. I don't usually watch that show, but it was on. And, oh, the food looked really good, the food he was eating. 
Oh, yeah. So Southern food. Jealous. It'll be good. Let's see. Kyle, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, I have one pick for you guys. Um, we here, like I mentioned, we do a lot of web development here. And so we have a CSS framework that was developed in-house. It's called Amphibious. And uh, the tagline is simple, elegant, responsive front-end rapid development kit. Uh, it's something that we've been using here for a lot of projects. And um, I think it's worth checking out. Cool. I'll have to check that out myself. Sean, what about you? Do you have any picks for us? I do. Uh, I've, I found this little company up here in Canada. I don't know much about them yet. The company is Pleiades, P-L-E-I-A-D-E-S dot C-A. And what this is, is it's a, it's a drone company uh, based on Linux. And I'm hoping that uh, that they'll pick up the phone from me and uh, that we can get perfect running with Swift on a drone. So not only can we develop backends, mobile apps, Apple Watch applications, and we can also interact with drones. That would be a dream come true. Well, I'd like to see that. That would be pretty cool. Awesome. I'll make it happen, and I'll, I'll call you up. So I've got I've got a couple picks myself. My first pick sort of goes along with, with Sean's there. I talked about this, I think, uh, last week or the week before, but I, I got Swift running on my Raspberry Pi uh, kind of over the Christmas break, and um, had a lot of fun with that and, and did a blog post on it and um, was kind of excited at the response. And uh, and I said, and I, and I started working on a, a GPIO library for Raspberry Pi so that, you know, Swift could be used to do robotics or whatever it is you want to do on a, on a Raspberry Pi. A big part of that is, is IO, and uh, I wanted to be able to do that from Swift. So I went so far as to create the repository and start playing around with it, but got distracted and hadn't made any progress and luckily somebody else did it. So my pick is Swifty GPIO and this is just a, a an open source library, Swift library for for using the GPIO pins on your Raspberry Pi. It also supports a bunch of other boards like the BeagleBone and um one that I'm kind of excited about is the Chip, which is a little $9 um single board computer. So this is cool if you're going to do, you know, any kind of embedded stuff, robotics kind of things in Swift and I'm excited to see this stuff happening. And then my other pick is a company called Anchor. I think that's how you say it. Anchor or Anker. They're, they make chargers, basically. But I've just been really impressed with their stuff. I've got uh, a few of their iPhone chargers, and I've got a USB hub that was made by them. And um, I've just been impressed at the quality, and, and they're not super expensive, but they make stuff that looks nice and works really well. So those are my picks. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks for coming on. I think that was... Uh, it was really good to hear about Perfect and sort of get a good overview of the project and where it came from and where it's going, and I think people will be interested to hear about it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Really appreciate it. You guys rock. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more. Would you like to join a conversation with the iFreaks and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a form that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. You can sign up at ifreakshow.com slash forum. 